Welcome to Biker Life Radio with Chuck and Deb, heard each Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. on 1490 AM, WWPR. And now, here's Chuck and Deb. Hi, I'm Chuck. And Deb. And welcome to Biker Life Radio. We're so truly grateful and thankful that you've joined us today. We've got a fantastic show lined up just for you. Biker Life Radio is for those who are inspired to ride and those who inspire others to ride. We are here to reveal the truth behind the motorcycle mystique and bring real life stories that will help you discover your purpose, achieve true freedom, and define your destiny. There we go. And we've got some sponsors we need to acknowledge, Deb. Absolutely. Today's show is sponsored by Tony and Guy Hairdressing Academy out of Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So if you are ready to crank up your engines, put your chins in the wind, knees in the breeze, and seize in the saddle, then let's get rolling. Well, let's get rolling. Let's kickstart the show because we got a fabulous show and you're going to want to stick around for the entire show because we have a very special guest. That you're going to want to hear. Man, you're leaving them on the edge of their seats. I well, can't they need to be it. on the edge of their seats, Dad, because this is a very special guest. Absolutely, and it's going to be an amazing show. Speaking of a very special guest, we should go right directly right now to Raw and Unapologetic. Wait, now you've got to what? say that. Raw and unapologetic. <laughs> well, I think you just did it for me, so we'll leave it at that. And so go ahead and tell them a little bit about Dutch. So Dutch, Dutch is Alston is the author of Demons Rising, the story of the Wayward Scout. An amazing wordsmith is all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic book, so you want to pick it up. And Dutch is doing the segment here again, which is raw and unapologetic. And so let's go ahead and turn it over right now to Dutch and his raw and unapologetic. Greetings from the sound studios known as Dutch's Man Cave, located in the sun coast of Florida. As stated, I am Dutch Van Alston. I am the author of Demons Rising, the story of the Wayward Scout, book number one in the Light Behind Bars book series. And I am raw and unapologetic. I'm getting a lot better at saying that word unapologetic. I was really kind of tripping over my own tongue the first few times. It has got how many syllables in it? One, two, three. I can't bet. I don't want to count that many. But I was really getting confused. I was actually going to change the name to just raw, but then I thought that's just... Gross. So I'm just going to stick with raw and unapologetic. I thank all of you who have read my book and gave feedback. I love discussing my work and the varying interpretations people have. I tried writing and finishing book number two this weekend, but I just could not get on a roll. Um, There are nights where my fingers just get going and they take on a life of their own. At least that's what my old high school girlfriend used to say. Now these nimble fingers are only good for picking onions out of the salad at Olive Garden. But c'est la vie. So I made a little teeny progress in book numero two this weekend because I spent most of the weekend welcoming a new member to my family. So for those of you who don't feel I'm insane enough, I've added yet another dog to my canine clan, making the total of five. Yes, that's five. I don't live in a palatial mansion. I live in a regular old two-bedroom house with uh, two full baths and a fence, but I have five dogs anyway. Uh, The four that I had prior to this are either strays 
or some form of a rescue. Number five was a combination of both, I guess. I think I mentioned once that uh, my work outside of my writing takes me into various homeless camps, shelters, and some of the less (laughs) stellar housing projects in Tampa uh, every day. And in one of the complexes, I'm going to forego naming it, but suffice it to say, it is not among the 10 best places to retire, unless you're retiring from the gulag or something like that. Uh, A tenant there I know knows how I feel about dogs. We talk about it quite a bit. And he told me that another tenant, who I don't know, there had his his door kicked in by the fuzz. And subsequently, his dog was left in the apartment. Well, apparently, this guy's neighbor went in, helped himself to the dog and the guy's TV. And I believe his microwave as well. So his door is the one I went to. I banged on his door, and he finally opened it after I just continued to knock. He and another guy were in there with crack cocaine vials on the coffee table and a syringe wedged in the ashtray. Both were out of it. I'll just say that. The apartment was small, and the bathroom was straight ahead, and I could see this little dog tied to the sink. No collar, just rope, and a few non-Boy Scout-approved knots. So before they could finish their sentence of, Who are you? I said, I'm here to take that dog. That seemed to confuse them because they said that I couldn't, as if I was Alex Trebek and phrasing that statement in the form of a question. And as a lover of the written word, I decided to assist these two guys in correcting their grammar. I said, can't implies I'm not able, and I'm very able. What you mean is I may not. That, uh, along with a crack, really seemed to confuse them even more. I, th- I then said, flat out, this is, this is a quote, this scenario is going to end with me taking that dog. What happens prior to that is up to you two guys. So a, a couple of seconds of uncomfortable pause went by, and then one mumbled something about calling Johnny Law. But I figured if I could spot two crack vials and a syringe in open sight, you know, the badge patrol will find even more when they take this place apart. So I didn't think they were going to call anyone and invite that problem into their home over a dog that they don't even want and I'm sure they were just going to sell it anyway so as the magic eight ball predicted when I shook it I left with the dog ironically that little bitch but can I say that I guess I mean may I say that I mean the dog is a female so it's an accurate description so I'm going to go with it if not I'm sure you'll hear a giant beep Anyway, uh, she snapped at me when I tried to untie her. I mean, I know she was just scared, so. But within five minutes of being in my truck, she was wagging her tail. And as I walked out uh, with her, these two future Rhodes Scholars called me a couple of choice names involving my weight and my follically challenged head. As if I didn't already know, I have a belly and a bald head. So, long story short, I... Huh? Oh, very funny, Bubbles. Yeah. Bubbles just said, eh, it's too late. It really wasn't that long of a story, and I'm, and I'm still waiting on my refreshments. Hmm? Then use the emergency whiskey bottle I have hidden in my gym bag. No, I, I know I don't go to the gym. I use it for backup bourbon, just for instances like this. Yeah, it started a long time ago. I had an ex-girlfriend used to hide it in there to keep me from drinking. She just assumed I would never look in my gym bag. She was right. So, long story short, um, the new dog is acclimated with the other four dogs and living a good life. I swear some people shouldn't even have a goldfish. 
Okay, I got three letters I'm going to try to squeeze in today. The first is from Kathy Morris of Newark, Delaware. She writes, Dear Dutch, you are the most handsome man that I've ever seen. Love, Kathy Morris from the Helen Keller School for the Blind. Aw, Kathy, you're the best. I've been told I look like a young George Clooney, but it was the embryonic form of George Clooney, but nonetheless... Uh, Kathy, I just wouldn't try to do one of those feel-my-face things like the blind girl did in Mask because the results will have you saying, uh, Oh my God, what is wrong with you? Did, did, did you escape from the carnival? What, what is that I'm feeling? And that's when I'm going to be uncomfortable and say, Kathy, dear, that is not my face you are feeling. So, second letter is from Jared Downey of King Ferry, New York. <laughs> I can't imagine what their school slogan was. And the conversations in locker room showers. Anyway, Jared asks, I was thinking about buying a motorcycle to expand my social circle and make some friends. I need a social outlet of some sort. What do you think? Okay, Jared, that sounds like some advice someone gave you, and I would say no. Uh, for the sake of time, I truncated your, your letter down a bit, but I noted in your really rather lengthy question you don't mention motorcycles or riding uh, in and of itself. Riding a motorcycle takes skills, and skills can only... Now think about this. Skills can only be developed and learned through desire or necessity. And in your case, neither of these are accurate. Motorcycle riding is a benefit all by itself. Stuff like making friends are usually the residual benefits of owning one. I mean, there's definitely a social component to it, don't get me wrong, but it starts with the desire to ride, not the other way around. I would re-examine your motivations a bit before you uh, commit to something like this. And that's ironic advice from me, the king of impulsivity. Uh, okay, thank you, Bubbles. Yes, you did a nice job putting ice in it. I appreciate it. Now go finish practicing with the stapler, Okay. We got to get you to master that very soon. We got a lot of work to do. Remember, just one squeeze, breathe, then another squeeze, okay? Okay, do I have time? Magic 8-Ball says yes. Next letter is from Lynn Earhart. And Lynn asks, is it true that there are two types of riders, those who go down and those who will go down? Well, Lynn... It depends on how much wine I ply her with and to the extent of the daddy issues that she has prior to going out with me that night. But on the off chance that you mean crashing, then no, it's not true. There are people who have ridden for 50 years, and, I, and I'm one of them getting there, by the way. But I've crashed, so I guess I'm not fitting into my own example. But anyway, there are people who have ridden for 50 years who have been fortunate enough not to crash. And luck does play some part. Clearly your skills, your attention to the road and your surroundings and all that. I mean, your, your awareness of your limitations. Uh, I mean, they play 90% of this. But luck does play a role because it can just be a matter of timing. I, I mentioned in week one that I had a major accident in 2006 where an SUV ran me over on the interstate from behind. She just literally drove right over me, sending me sliding down I-495, tearing up my body. I mean, mangling my back, my elbow, my foot. 
to which to this day I have a size 11 on my uh, left foot, the one I got hurt, and a 10 and a half on the other. Um, I mean, I have a lifetime limp, I have chronic pain, blah, 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 wine, wine, wine. I never, never thought it would happen to me. I mean, especially during that period of my life when I was more careful and my 90 plus mile an hour drunken idiocy days were over, essentially. I, I am now a statistic. I can uh, now wear those broken wing patches, but I'll tell you this, and I know I'm a smart aleck, but this is 100% true, seriously. When she hit me, immediately afterwards, I recall the very first thing that came to my mind was, what? This isn't part of a motorcycle ride. And I'm being very serious. I'm not trying to make light of it. I recall being confused and not understanding why I felt the way I did. I think the real question here is, and, and by the way, I'm still going to send you a book, but the real question is, after a major crash, not just tipping over in the parking lot or overshooting a curve and getting bounced off in the grass somewhere, but a crash like mine, the question is, can you get back on? And the short answer is, some get back on, some don't, some can't. And there's nothing wrong with any of those three. I'm not any braver than the ones that don't or the ones that can't. The formula of what makes us, us, is unique, and every circumstance is different for everyone. I've learned to respect the person who has seen the dark side of motorcycling and lived. Even though this occurred nearly 15 years ago, I'll do my math in my head, but carry the four, pi r square, I'm I'm, I'm still very leery of crashing again because... I mean, now I know it's possible, and it can happen to me despite bearing no responsibility for it. I mean, I was just riding down the highway, and she hit me from behind. Uh, But I was on a bike starting at age nine, back in the day. Um, So where some get back on, some don't, some can't, I was one who couldn't not get back on. Uh, Try to decipher that, my double negatives. So is that for my love of writing or the fact that I am a grown man with untreated mental illness, i.e. crazy, or both? Well, the jury is still out on that, my friends. Okay, well, it looks as though Bubbles and I will be back next week. The salary negotiations with Chuck and Deb went well, and they folded like a cheap umbrella and acquiesced to my demands of a doubling of my salary. Had I known it was going to be that easy, I would have demanded triple. But double salary? I'm touched. In the head. Okay, don't forget, hit like on my Life Behind Bars series Facebook page. Visit my website at www.dutchvanalston.com and peruse my book that I am ever so proud of. Hit like on Chuck and Deb's page. And every time I ship one of my books out, an angel gets its wings or something like that. So until next week, folks, don't ride so late into the night that you sleep through the sunrise. Oh, isn't that sweet? And from my brain to yours, actually from my brain to your ears. I mean, I guess it does go through your brain first and then they send a signal to your ear. I, I'm getting too technical. So from my brain to your ears through that whole process, this is Yabba Dabba Dutch signing off. 
that was packed with so much. I mean, I probably could go on and on and on about all of the things that his readers wrote into him about. And, you know, it just it would be like an endless Endless show, never ending show, I think. Not endless, but never ending. It could very well be. Yeah. And if you want to stay tuned, maybe you'll find out. Because guess what? We've invited the author of Demon Rising, Demons Rising, Dutch Van Austin, to join us here live in the studio. Yeah. So we got to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. And you don't want to miss this. We'll be right back. Our sponsor today is Tony and Guy Hairdressing Academy. If you desire to be a leader in this fast-growing cosmetology industry, then contact Tony and Guy Hairdressing Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado at 719-390-9898. Again, 719-390-9898. Or visit coloradosprings.tonyguy.edu. For more information about Coeur d'Alene, Idaho... Tony and Guy Hairdressing Academy, call 208-930-1276. Again, that number is 208-930-1276. Or visit them at coeurdelaine.tonyguy.edu or visit the Chuck and Deb Show sponsor page for more information. Hi, and welcome back. We're so grateful and thankful that you stayed with us, and you're going to be grateful and thankful that you stayed with us, because here in the studio right now is Dutch Van Austin, the author of... Demons Rising, the story of the Wayward Scout. Go ahead and say hello, Dutch. Hello, Dutch. <laughs> oh, that, I really set, the, set myself up for that one, didn't I? Well, I'm yeah. just following orders, sir. <laughs> so, Dutch, we wanted to have you here because, as you talked about in your segment, we gave you an increase, didn't we? Yes, you did, and I spent it all today. <laughs> so what did we give you? We doubled what? We doubled. I didn't realize this. I hired an accountant to crunch the numbers, and I didn't understand that the doubling of zero is apparently still, well, zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's double zero, though it might be better. That's even better. Well, <laughs> yeah. Double zero. The tattoo is just a single zero, isn't it? So. <laughs> okay, so he's got a tattoo, double zeros. Is that what it is, Dutch? Or just, what is it? That's just a single zero there. Oh, single zero. That's what you were paying me here. before the raise. Oh. <laughs> Well, here, you know, I just wanted to bring everybody up to date because actually, you know, the zero is not true because we're paying you today in double shots of Jack Daniels. This is true, and I'd rather have that than any kind of income that you could possibly bestow on me because any paycheck you give me would go straight to the liquor store anyway. You're just cutting out the middleman and the... We're, we're saving you exactly, some. Exactly. You're saving me Castle. trouble and you're making the end result a lot richer. Yeah, the same. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is going to be hard for me to keep my composure during the show today, but I'm going to do my very best. Deb, you have anything to say? Well, no, because I just, I'm in stitches, but we've really got some <laughs> things that we do want to talk about. Well, so I, we're going to have to wind it down. What's and that? Go ahead. No, I'm not going to interrupt Deb because she's within striking distance. <laughs> well, that's two of you now that yeah, are see, worried about now me. Now you know what it feels like, right? Yeah. I do when know what it feels like. You hear it on the air, you live, and you that's see That's why I'm looking at you. I don't with. dare look at her because I'm scared. <laughs> Man, a lot. See, now I, now I don't feel so alone. <laughs> Quit talking like that. I will never get students to attend my class again because I'm just this horrible, bad person. Oh, no, that's not the case, okay. Coach Deb. All right. No, <laughs> so I'm excited. Where, where do we want to start here? We've got a lot that 
that we wanted to talk about. Absolutely. Is, Dutch, is there anything you, you wanted to share before we get started at all? Well, um, this, I'm putting you on the spot, but go you ahead. You definitely are putting me on the spot, and I'm not quite sure how to handle this at this point. So what are, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about... Uh, well, Something we wanted I said to, in my segment, you're going to expand on that? Exactly. We wanted to talk a little bit about that, and uh, I, I don't know if that's where we want to get started. Do we, do we have something else in mind, Deb? Um, no, I think that there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of meat know, in what he was like, sharing. So, you know, where do we start? Begin. Where do we get you going? to start with so. Bubbles and her gross incompetence? Or? <laughs> you know, yeah. Chuck wants to hire Bubbles, I too, thought you'd so bring Bubbles be, in today. I <laughs> did, but she's very, very busy working on that stapler, so. <laughs> she hasn't figured that out yet, huh? That's okay. She looks really pretty doing it, so. <laughs> well, that's all that really matters. That is all that matters, absolutely. That's what she's there for? I really shouldn't answer that. <laughs> yeah, because especially the evidence will just, exp- you know, no. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're, you know, paying her with a real paycheck. <laughs> I'm paying with the same paycheck that you're paying me. <laughs> well, here's what I have to say about bubbles. You need to make sure you get that nail color because if you liked it, I'm sure Chuck would like it. And I need to know what that is. That's a girl thing. So we got to stick together. Really? Yes. I'll have to, I'll have to bring bubbles to meet you. Yes. Oh, you're going to have to lower your IQ by like. <laughs> A few points. <laughs> that won't be 60. hard for me. I am blonde. I hear it often. <laughs> well, Dutch, in your segment, um, you brought up the fact about people having accidents and whether they get back on or not. Yes, they did. And you put it, as you always do, very eloquently. Did I word the, use the right word? That's a high-tech word for that this That was tough. Show. I'm not sure if it even came out right, Deb. You I said think it, it did. Right. Yeah. Can you spell it right? No, I cannot. E-L-O-Q-U-I-E-N-T. Stop while you're ahead. You said it. That's all that matters. Exactly. You said it. Don't yeah. try to spell it. Put the dictionary away. Right? Yeah. So, so, you know, you went into it about uh, how some people will get back on, some people won't. You want to, can, I don't want to put it in your words, but. No, my words were uh, some people get back on, some people don't, and some people can't. And okay. I don't begrudge anybody uh, anything other than those three choices. You know, because I've got a couple of people say, you know, I give you a lot of credit for getting back on the bike. Right. And to me, it was more of I really didn't have a whole lot of options because that's just the way I grew up. And it was it to this day. Yes, it's a little difficult when I go through intersections, even though I wasn't hit in, in, in an intersection. I get a little leery. I look to my left, I look to my right, and I look straight ahead, and I think, do you people see me? I beep, I wave, and I keep going. It's a little frightening, but there's just no way I could not get back on that bike. So what I hear you saying is that since the accident, Mm -hmm. um, it's made you more aware, and I don't want to say the word paranoid, uh, but I think think it's more of awareness of your surroundings Mm -hmm. um, because you've had it happen. Absolutely, because I've been riding since I was nine years old, and I am always careful, but after this, I realized it really doesn't matter how careful you are sometimes. I did literally nothing wrong. I was driving out of the, and I know I, I think I said in my segment I-495, but I'm at I-490 coming out of Rochester. Okay. Carefree, living life, loving the world, riding along, singing in my head, <laughs> and pow, she hit me. From behind. From behind. From behind. I'm used to looking to my left. I'm used to looking to my right. I'm used to looking ahead. I don't think I had to look behind me directly, but apparently you do because she just literally drove right over me. 
Right. And I think that brings up a really good point because from a writer coach, uh, you know, in the technical books, there's nothing really too much about looking behind, but it is something in my classes I try to emphasize because when you're sitting at a light, if you're sitting there with your arms all folded or messing with your phone or whatever else, just chillaxing, you know, that's not the time to do it. We need to be on guard and watch those. As I mentioned many times in my classes, I'm watching those mirrors until there's a stack of vehicles behind me and I have some sort of a safety barrier as a rider, you know, right behind me to make sure that I'm not going to be impacted or hit. And so, you know, there's all those riders cues and clues that unfortunately, until you experience it, you just don't know to look out for that. And, you know, I think it's been kind of worn in society as a badge of honor for riders that get in an accident and then get back on. But as you said, there are some riders that just can't do that for whatever the reason is. And there's so much more to the impact of being in an accident than getting on or get not getting on after the fact. And if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to what you were saying about, you know, whether you're sitting at a stoplight or if somebody who's behind you. In your case, Dutch, you were actually riding. You weren't stopped. Is that correct? Correct. And and I can't argue with Deb's point because when you're when you're at a stoplight, you should pay attention because yes. people don't they're looking at their phone and you know, they're texting so and so and next thing they know the red lights up and they look up and wow, yeah. it's too late, they hit you. Right. But when you're on an interstate going 65, 70 you shouldn't yeah. have to worry about who's directly behind you. Who would think of that? You and know? I really didn't think of that. And and there she was. Bam. Wow. And that happens a lot. We've noticed that a lot on State Road 64. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that as we go out east on some of these roads where it be State Road 70 and we're out east, you've got those trucks. you got people passing you. And they'll come up on you and then they'll just pass you. You don't even know where they came from because they're flying. Right. Even and if you're watching your mirrors, they're just yeah, so quick. Yeah, they snap. They're to be out, on you. You're going 70, and they're 80, and it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been a little more susceptible to that. So what I'm doing on those two lanes going inland is I do now check my mirror, and I pull over gently gently to the right, and I just wave them on by. Right. Yep, exactly. You know, I thank them for not <laughs> killing me. I right. right. have to, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's Absolutely. a different way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And this is one of my things, and uh, if Dutch, you do this, I apologize in advance, is that when I'm on a light, and because it was brought up and I wrote this down, I just wanted to cover it, I don't pull right up on the vehicle in front of me. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to, as far as I know, Deb, and Dutch, you can comment on this as well, we need to operate like we're an automobile. Right. In other words, leave the same spacing we would do if we were in an automobile. I ride with some people. They'll pull right up right behind the vehicle in front of them. Now, how are they going to get out of an incident that's happened behind them when they can't pull out of the way to get out of the way because they're so close to the vehicle? And yeah. Deb is going to say those two words, escape route. Right? Exactly. There you go. Or, you know, and again, oftentimes I talk about discovering your what ifs and having more than one way out of a situation for your own safety. So if you're that close to the vehicle, I mean, we see it with bikes all the time, and I'm sure we all do, that they're right up on your tail. And it's like, so what if the car behind you rolled up a little too closely? You have no option to get out of the way. And it's all about finding that way to get in or out of whatever circumstance so that you can keep yourself I'll, I'll even do more visual, and I apologize for this. Or what if there's somebody that's texting at 50 miles an hour, they and they didn't that. see the that, stoplight. I just don't believe that. People don't text on the highway and not pay attention. <laughs> Sir, you are lying to the American people right now. And in town on roadways where there are traffic lights, they never do yeah, that. Come no. on. Thank goodness Shame I was on both of you. Yeah, exactly. But thanks goodness I was in a car when that exact same thing happened to me. Correct. And I could have been in a motorcycle. And I was sitting at a stoplight. 
And, and somebody sand- hit me like that. Sandwiched in between and, two vehicles and all three ended up damaged. And by the way, it was an uninsured motorist, Dutch. No, not in Florida. I don't believe no. that. There you go. <laughs> That's a whole other topic we could cover here we because could. we've had this discussion just recently. Today, we were looking at our insurance and on your insurance, you have uh, a coverage for uninsured uh, motorists. Correct. And it's really expensive for medical and that kind of thing. Yep. I got that bill the other day and had a giant middle finger in front of it and said, oh. you want to pay this because most people are like that down here. There you go. So, <laughs> so there you go, Deb, because we're sitting here, Dutch, and we're trying to figure out, should we get this insurance? And I'm thinking, why wouldn't we get it? Because, Dutch, you're right. There's so many people, I, and we can only speak for Florida, but there's so many people out there that do not have insurance. And if you get hit somebody that doesn't have insurance, you're not going to collect. Well, you're stuck with the bill to move beyond that. I know when I started riding years and years ago, there was someone I worked with that had a motorcycle and he chose not to insure the motorcycle. And so we had at length debates about insurance or no insurance when it comes to motorcycles. And my thought is, and what the state of Florida says, it's an operating vehicle on the roadway. It needs to have insurance. And again, I know another rider coach throws this example out. Go ahead and hit someone without motorcycle insurance and see where that gets you. <laughs> so, you know, again, the moral of the story is be insured, but it is so extremely expensive to have, quote unquote, full coverage on a motorcycle rather than the required liability if it's financed or whatever the case may be. So I don't, you know, that's what's holding me back is the cost of that bad boy. Because you're right, it, it's a middle finger in all the wrong places when you see that bill. I'm <laughs> like, all the wrong places. All the wrong places. <laughs> yeah, you Very don't want interesting <laughs> comment from <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to let that that's go. That's the first time I've heard that one too, Doug. <laughs> and you've been with her a long visual, time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. What oh, goodness. Am I? We better backtrack from this right now. <laughs> yeah, you have a good idea. We can keep going there. But I think you had a thought, didn't you, Doug? Well, the woman that ran... Well, you're very, you're very perceptive. Really, that's Please don't let, let that get out. I, no. like, I like to be the stupid one. <laughs> well, you're doing it very well, let me tell you. <laughs> Stupidly smart. Yeah. Chuck, observant. Well, we'll just... <clears throat> leave it at that. Follow that up on that. And then, that's, you know... <laughs> When I got ran over in, in, in Rochester, I got run over by a woman from, well, not a woman from Ohio. She borrowed a vehicle from somebody who lived in Ohio, and she ran me over. And Ohio had a minimum uh, liability insurance of $12,500. Wow. And that is pretty much what I got after my compassionate lawyer took 33 and a third percent. So I was granted about eight grand after being run over. Which it gave me enough money to rebuild my Fred Flintstone bike because I was not going to let that go. No, that motorcycle was just part of me, and I brought it back with me. And I had about enough left over to buy myself dinner. So sometimes that insurance doesn't mean a whole lot. It's true. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, it's, uh, but it's, it's it's something which is better than nothing. Oh, absolutely. At the end of the day, yeah, you're right. And it actually got your bike fixed, so that's a it good thing. It got my bike fixed, but, you know, I got a permanent limp and... Things that you will live with the rest of your life. And because their insurance laws were so limited, it really has impacted you for the rest of your life. And that's the sad shame of it all. And think yeah. about it. There was no insurance, you know, on top True. of all that. So, again, I just there's so much more yep. that could go on. And it's it's interesting. And keep in mind, everybody, that, you know, this show is about encouraging you to ride. And, and, and what we're talking about here is just something that's part of the experience. When we put our leg over that saddle, we know the risk. OK, Correct. 
And when you're going to go ride, you need to know the risk as well. And then you need to make sure that you have the proper coverages and that things. But you also need to know that we've got to pay attention to the, th- the things behind us. A lot of times you might not know. So so we've covered a lot of things and we didn't mean to go there. Right. We just happened to go there, which I love about this when we do it on the show. But what we, when we started out, we were talking about if someone got in an accident, whether they're going to get back on or not. And I believe that's different, as you mentioned, Dutch, different from eat for each individual. Now, I've been in an accident before. You mentioned that you were in an accident. Mm-hmm. I was in an accident where I actually cracked my helmet. And had it not been for my helmet, I wouldn't be here today. So I'm one of those, yeah. A helmet. I'm not a helmet Nazi, but no, I'm one no, that's, that's, that's there's that's nothing for, wrong with wearing a helmet. Yeah, I'm, I'm just one of those for helmets because to me it's proved that it's mm-hmm. you know saved my life because I would who knows what I'd be like without a helmet today because I woke up in the hospital you and might, I had to have a you might be like you are now. <laughs> How secure was it helmet? Yeah. Did you have the strap on? You know what? You was know, it even DOT certified? You know what? He, he, he might know me too well because it was a really old helmet. I think How I old was it? It was old and probably was the it only made reason of leather I was like wearing they wore it in the NFL now. back in the 20s. I was going to say, are you sure it wasn't a football helmet? <laughs> yeah. I could see you doing that one. Well, I did think about it when I saw Jack Nicholson with it. You well, know, but... in all fairness, the brain damage might have happened years before that accident. <laughs> and, to, and, birth, and the maybe. thing is, is Dutch would know because he's 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 uh, you're uh, educated in this. Educated, <laughs> educated. Yes. He's yes. educated. He's kind of knowledgeable. <laughs> you know, maybe spend a moment. Tell people uh, you might have mentioned it a few times, but tell people what it, if you don't if you want to if you don't want to maybe uh, what you do. Oh, what I do for a living? Yeah, I dare well, you. I sit here and drink your whiskey and <laughs> get, get paid have a the lot of fun. Bucks. <laughs> yeah. And that's the important part of what he does. Yeah. I actually am, and I think I mentioned this one time, yeah. I, this is such irony as I stand here holding a glass full of ice and Actually, it's Coke. empty. We, we've got to actually get it full. Well, this is true, but it was full a little bit ago, but... <laughs> Yeah, like a, for a I'm, second. <laughs> well, yeah. this isn't a visual show because I, I can't show it straight, right? Well, it was full a minute ago, but Chuck dumped it on the floor. I didn't drink it. <laughs> I'm a substance abuse clinician, yes. Okay. And I uh, at the at presently I work in a homeless program in Tampa, Florida, where we uh, rehouse homeless individuals. I'm the substance abuse clinician portion of it. So um and I deal with a lot of people who have a history of substance abuse, which is primarily based in a lot of trauma. Mm. Nobody gets hooked on serious hard drugs without some history of trauma. It just doesn't happen. There's no one person sitting in the world today saying, you know, I really want to shoot up heroin, but it's just plain illegal. Mm. It's usually based on a lot of things that happen in their life and, and things of that nature that... It's a coping mechanism. I get If alcohol and drugs weren't a wonderful coping mechanism, people wouldn't get hooked on it. Correct. Very good point. Exactly. Nobody and, gets hooked and, on broccoli, do they, Deb? No. <laughs> for no. goodness sakes, except for me. But anyway, um, kind of shifting gears because I think that, you know, that aspect of everything related to writing, too, is that oftentimes people don't realize that no matter how small the accident may appear on the outside or how traumatic, there's probably a little bit of psychology issues or psychological issues. I'm probably saying that wrong. But, you know, there's an after effect of that accident, you know, and we had actually I saw some PTSD stuff that I reposted today on Facebook. And the importance of that is that there's 
there's so much more that lingers after the accident that people don't necessarily take into account. And I think tying that back into our original goal of whether you get back on that motorcycle or not, I think that has a huge impact on that one aspect alone. Hence the P and PTSD, which is post, afterwards. Absolutely. It, it, it lives on for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. And I mean, after my accident, um, I could not, again, I could not not ride a motorcycle after that, but it did affect me adversely. I mean, even to this day, I still ride much more carefully. As you were saying earlier, Chuck, I can't help but do that. It, right. it didn't rise to the level where I was never going to ride again, but something that it does. And, and, and to keep with the whole positive tone of it, as I was saying in my segment, it does not happen to everybody. This notion that, well, everybody goes down or everybody is going to go down, that's mm-hmm. not true. It really isn't. Most people really don't face a serious accident over the years. Correct. But you really should be understanding of the fact that no matter how good of a rider you think you are, right. Right. it can happen. Because I don't pat myself on the back too often, only because I got a shoulder injury and I can't, <laughs> can't quite reach it. Exactly. But I have been riding a motorcycle for more than half a century and I pay attention. I know what I'm doing and it didn't matter. I still got run over. Right. right. It can happen, but statistically, it's probably not going to happen. That's I don't want to, I don't want to deter people from enjoying the whole aspect of riding. Absolutely. And I think that's somebody interrupt quickly. That's a great point because, and I think why you're so attentive to intersections, because statistically that's where the accidents do happen. And most common injury is a head, neck or brain injury because people have the choice in many States not to wear the helmet. So, you know, I love that you kind of took that to the next level, which is it can happen to you. And one of the things I know in my class is the chart that one of the questions is, can it happen to me? And, you know, the writers that come into my classes that have been riding forever, oftentimes they score that really high because their thought is, no, it can't happen to me. I've been riding for 50 years. And I go, well, I'll be gosh darn. If you're one moment of not paying attention, it can happen to any of us. One split second. Mm -hmm. That's right. Looking down at a peg, looking down at anything, that split second, it can happen. Yeah, so true. So um, I don't know where to go from here, really. You passed it over to me. I was too busy uh, listening here. Uh, Dutch, you want to just take over? You got something? Well, I wasn't looking down a peg. I was yelling Yahoo at the time, but <laughs> it does happen. But but you're very right. And and, and I, I, I would hope that when you're in your class, you would – people actually said that in your class. I haven't ridden half of – Yeah, absolutely. Well, then I, – then, and they, you know, they often have the same mindset. Well, I haven't taken the class because I have to to get my license and my endorsement on my license. But you know, I don't really need this. And then I just, oh, al- so and they then feel I just, like they don't need it. Correct. Yeah, and okay. then I Too just good. allow okay. for the class to unfold the way it does. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the class, every single time I've heard, I did learn something, if not multiple things. I never knew before. So, or, or I worked on techniques I didn't know I needed to work on. So, you know, it's, it's off the program itself. Motorcycle Safety Foundation's program does the work for me. I don't have to be the coach. Those who have nothing to learn are usually the ones that are dead. <laughs> right. It means you're done. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who says they have nothing to learn is just, it's total nonsense. Right. I can't believe you had people in your in your class for that long saying, ah, this isn't going to happen to me. Right. Then they they're do. not paying attention. Then they, they got to know at that point in time, it can happen to them. Absolutely. They haven't seen that. They haven't witnessed that. You know how many people have buried over the years? I've gone to funerals and cried over their casket. Sure. That's just, yep. that's terrible that anybody would even think that. 
that can't happen to me. Nah, well, I'm I know. me, and it happened to me. And let's talk about that for a moment, because uh, in your book, you did mention, you know, there was a writer in there. I don't remember the name exactly right now. Willie. Who was it? Willie? Willie died in the book. Uh, he, he hit did. a truck, was it? If I, what was it? No, a truck hit him. Hit him, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And so did that happen in real life for you, where you've lost a brother? Oh, I've lost several over the years. But that particular incident was really just fictional, and it was more designed to, because I didn't want to have the reader be led down the road that there was going to be some revenge and this and that, and you ran over our brother. Right. So I wanted to make sure that the reader knew that it was a complete accident. Oh, okay. But, but absolutely. I mean, One of the worst incidences that I ever heard of was in the club that I was with in Rochester, um, there was two brothers riding in, we ride parade style when we're in a club, and they were going around a curve, upstate New York is full of curbs, and a caravan went over the yellow line, and the brother in the left lane of the lane they were traveling in Mm -hmm. didn't react in time, nor could he. To, uh, or I'm sorry, the the brother in the right lane on the right side didn't react in time to move back and let the brother oh, move okay. out of the way, so and the, the caravan hit him and killed him. Oh, and goodness. he never really got past that. Hmm. Yeah. And I just remember him at his funeral, just you know, crying hysterically over the casket. If I had just moved, if I had just gone this way, if I had just gone that way, and I kept trying to explain to him. The person in the caravan went over the yellow line and killed him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing you could have done about that. And uh, so it does happen, but it doesn't happen all the time. Right. You know? but, but the way he was feeling, that's human nature. It is. I mean, that's if we didn't feel that way, Dutch, I mean, then maybe we're not yawning. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not reacting to a yawn. Yeah, okay. What Chuck's talking about is if you don't react to a yawn, there's a component of possible sociopathy behavior. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. 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 So, you know, it's it's a natural thing. So for the guy that was sobbing there, because we're human beings. Oh, we care about people. We we wish things could have been different. Absolutely. We wish could have done something different. But the overall fact is, is exactly the way you said it. If that w- if that went across that line, it would have never happened to begin with. Mm-hmm. Correct. So he, it, he never got past that, and I could never make him understand that it wasn't his fault. Yeah, you know. I have a friend that uh, experienced a similar circumstance, and he he lost someone very dear to him, and it's been very hard for him to get over it all these years. And you know, I think you explained something about the PTSD. Did mm-hmm. I get it right? Because uh, you know, post traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how actually, write it down. Yeah, I, PTSD. Spell it, PTSD. So, so um, and, and what it was interesting is you mentioned to us before the show is that it, actually it can last years. Oh, absolutely. And you, when I mentioned, well, this has been like five or six years, you're like, oh, that's like really nothing. It's really fresh. Oh, it's right? nothing. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. whole, the whole point of PTSD is triggers. Things okay. could be dormant for, I mean, literally decades, and it could be the most subtle thing that you don't even realize is there that can trigger that memory to come back Mm -hmm. that is what ptsd is post-traumatic stress disorder and if 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 you think you've got it kind of licked and you're not you're past it and you're over it and all of a sudden something comes up a smell a sound a sight Mm. whammo there it Mm -hmm. is i remember it all over again and so Go ahead, Deb. It, it's it's amazing to me as we've learned so much more about this over the last six months because we did um, with a, a support group up in uh, Brooksville for veterans and just yeah. the fact that 
it's this silent illness that people don't realize exists until that trigger hits. And if you're really close to that person, you know, I think the important thing is, is that you know that that could, there could be a trigger. Um, and so that was really a, a big aha moment for me to just learn that idea that, you know, someone has a service animal, sometimes those scars are transparent to what we see on the outside. And our human nature sometimes is so quick to judge someone else, what they're going through, what they've been through maybe, and, you know, you make a great point that it's just that it's it's non-visible until the trigger hits. And it, and it may not be something that we who don't experience it know that um, that it can last longer than we might expect. Correct. In other words, somebody that doesn't know might think, oh, after two years, you should be past that now. Correct. Oh, good Lord. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm so tired of those sucking up buttercups and they scratch their balls and uh, <laughs> Might want to delete right. that later. It's all right. And just, you know, that whole, you know, get over it. God bless it. I mean, just, right. yeah, yep. it's just, it's so incorrect and wrong on so many levels. Sure. So listen, we've got to take a quick break because we have got to refill Dutch's drink. But anyway, for God's sakes, refill Dutch's drink. It's been empty so, for at least 11 minutes. And there Chuck's and Dab too. So We're going to get every, get a refill here. And here's a word from our sponsors. You'll want to stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Chuck with the Chuck and Deb Show. If you'd like to be a sponsor on our show, please contact us at 216-7625. That's 216 216- rock we look forward to hearing from you thank you and welcome back we are so truly grateful and thankful that you are staying tuned because we want to continue the conversation with dutch van alston <laughs> boy that's Deb's mysterious dutch van alston because i can't just say it like that i don't know well that's all right okay so um, <laughs> let's talk about a little bit, Dutch, um, about what you mentioned on your segment earlier, where some do. Help me out, brother. Some do, some don't, some can't. And what we're talking about is getting back on the bike after someone has had an accident. Right. And, you know, before we go there real quick, and we, we are limited on time, but I have to go there. You know, even if you're not involved with an accident, when I was talking to you earlier, Dutch, and I said, you know, somebody in your book, you know, you wrote about it in your book. Have you ever at, witnessed somebody in an accident? Witnessed firsthand? No. Right. No. Because I believe um, that can actually make an effect on you. Oh, absolutely. Because, absolutely. Because I've seen it. um, and it's 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 opened like you say you see things differently when you ride and it's you become more aware of your surroundings um, when stuff like that happens so but let's go well, back and I, I just want to interrupt there because a real life story hold on actually, Deb we can't let you interrupt Dutch let's so, go back to you <laughs> we have a friend <laughs> she is within swing <laughs> and I am not right. going to agree with you because right. I don't want to be beaten and Very you good. know Rush is going to say easy up Chuck so That's right. we have a a friend of ours that she was simply, and I don't mean to minimize this, but she rode as passenger and she actually witnessed an accident of someone else Oh yeah, and that's right. has chosen not to get back on the back of that motorcycle ever again, which in turn has caused her husband to sell his motorcycle at this time. And so wow. that's a real life story of how impactful just the visualizing of the particular incident can have on someone in their the trauma too so i don't don't know what that may have caused for her if you can imagine seeing something and not being able to get rid of the thought 
Right. right. Absolutely. Isn't that's, that what it comes down to? Basically, that's what it comes down to because, as as I was saying in my segment, when I when I said about when she hit me, my first thought was this was not part of a motorcycle ride. <laughs> I was not trying to be glib. It really. It, I remember that's the first thought I had was I was confused. I don't understand what's happening. Right. All of a sudden, my back is kind of snapping back, oh. and the impact is pushing me this way, and it doesn't make any sense. Yep. And it was all probably within. A second, two seconds, seconds, right? But your brain works so fast; it works in hundredths of a second. And each thought pattern it has, and you add those together, and one second is a lifetime. No, right? It just—I could not figure out what was going on. And the next thing I know, I was like bouncing down the highway. And the next thing I remember is somebody walking up to me while I was laying under the bridge. And you know, on our break, you talked about that it took you six months to recover. Is that right? It took me a long time to recover. The bike at that time was down and out, and it took about a year for a friend of mine to rebuild it. So other than borrowing people's bikes here and there because I just could not not ride, as I said earlier, I was uh, unable for about a year to saddle up on my own and go. Yeah. And, you know, also we were talking about on the break, you know, we're trying to talk about why some people get back and they ride. And I believe, Dutch, that you had a very uh, sincere concern that by us saying some get back on and they do, that we're negating in a way those that don't. Is that correct? Absolutely. I don't want to belittle anybody who doesn't because I don't blame them. And it has nothing to do with, you know, courage or machismo or... You know, the length of my fist. <laughs> yes. Nothing. Yeah, your handlebars. Yeah. Yeah, nothing to do with the length of my handlebar. Nothing. It really doesn't. It just, yeah. it really depends on your background, your upbringing, what happened in the accident, how maybe insane you are. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's right. But, but it just, it's not, I hate, because I've had people say, I got it back, I never got back on. And I yeah. never look at them going, why not? What are you, some kind of wuss? I just, I understand what they're going through. I really do. Sure. Oh, closer. There you and, go. And, you know, for me, <laughs> a lot of times I wonder about that because Good hand it, signals. <laughs> it makes me wonder why some don't. Because, you know, we talk, again, back to the break, I, so, sometimes I think it's about what the riding is to you that either drives oh, you to or correct. not. She had and it. so for me, riding is all about the freedom and ability to be free. Uh, yeah. And no doubt. My heart just skipped. Yeah. That's so <laughs> right. It really is. And I think if it, it's well, a rider well, uh, that maybe hasn't gotten to that point, maybe there's not be. such a good draw. Point. I like that. Good of, point. You know, I've got to get that freedom back because I feel that even if I were in an accident and we know someone that had broken three of their four limbs in a very major incident and got back on their bike, that's I think I think that's how I would be. But I haven't been there, so I don't know. But I would want that freedom again so desperately that I would believe that I would have to get back on the bike. Right. What I have to add to that is absolutely nothing. That was very well said. Well, that's great. Well, she's here's, right. um, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Here, here's what I had to add to it. I ride because I want to be a badass biker, dude. And you are. Okay. So everybody knows. I feel knows badass it. when I ride. <laughs> no, I do. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I know what you're saying. That's Thank honest. You, you yeah. are a different part of the world when you're on the motorcycle. <laughs> it's so true. You That's are it. envied by people who stop at a red light and go, God, I wish I was you instead of sitting here with this old bag. It's so true. The weirdest thing happened to me on the highway today. I was riding, you know, I'm, I'm on the left lane over there in the universe 
university. You, know, you got all those lanes. Yeah. And some lady. Wait a minute. Did you have the wig on that you had on? No. <laughs> I did think about wearing it. Uh. Actually, I should have a helmet with that hair on it. And then when yes. I take it off, I should have the as hair. As long as the Good ears question, on though. the other one show, too. So that would be the best. So here's what happened. There's a convertible. And this chick on the right passenger side, she just kept turning her head. She just kept looking at me. I'm like, well, okay, I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> I, I, I can just picture it now. Hold yeah. that clutch and revving it up. That's it. That's Use your peripherals to the left. Hey, baby. And she's got a guy who's driving, so I don't know what that's about, but she's turning her head all the way around. Well, he was I'm driving like, a convertible. So. Right, there and not go. a motorcycle. So, you know, you know maybe, real maybe, man. Maybe what the guy said was, look at that badass biker I'm dude. sure he did. I'm he pretty damn did. sure. One day I will be like him, baby. So there you go. <laughs> Just give me a chance. <laughs> so there you go. Ouch. Maybe that's why some do. No, I, I I know what you're saying. I do. It's just, but like like to expand on what both of you are saying, it is just something intrinsic about you that. I, I mean, again, I was kind of born into this. I can't imagine my life without it. So the whole thought of you might get in an accident again didn't register in my brain. It just was, you need to go back to where you were. I'm more leery about it, but I can't not ride a motorcycle. Exactly. Yep. I can't. I wish Get I it. could. Sometimes I wish I could. I wouldn't have three in my garage. I wouldn't be poor. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the doubling of the salary that you guys gave me. I know. And that insurance is just giving you that middle finger. Come on. I know. It does do that. Doesn't it? I, I never does. thought of a company would like send me an invoice with a middle finger on it. <laughs> That's what the I that? represents in that company's name. Exactly. Yeah. You can see we like to have fun here. Absolutely. And uh, we've been enjoying having Dutch with us today. Yeah, boo, 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 Very, boo, special. Boo, boo. Very special <laughs> guest Read today. off the cue card a little better. <laughs> All right. So well, we I'm not sure we're quite there yet, Deb. Okay. I'm trying to figure it out. So let me let me just give, hold on just one second. Hold on for what? Come on, get with me. Uh, oh, I'd be happy to get with you. <laughs> okay, so we want to make sure that our listeners I'm are I'm going to go at this point. <laughs> Dutch is leaving. I'm uh, going to get with Deb. Exit stage left or right, whatever you can find. Yeah, I'm taking my glass with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got some things that we want to be sure and let our listeners know about. The first is the Wreaths Across America. And again, we talked about it last week. I want to be sure that we talk about it again this week. So this coming Saturday, December 14th, there is a ride leaving from the Home Depot on State Road 64 in Bradenton. Everyone is meeting. Staging will begin at 6.45 a.m. The motorcycles will escort the wreath trucks to the Sarasota National Cemetery right around 7.30. They say kickstands are up. The ceremony itself is from 10 to 10.30, and then families laying wreaths on family members will begin 10.30 to 11. So, again, it's a way to honor our vets that are buried in the Sarasota National Cemetery. As I mentioned, the trucks have donated their time, their gas, their fuel, the transporting of the wreaths in honor of all of our veterans that are no longer with us. I, I got nothing to. I mean, that's. Just, I I was in the army, but uh, I have no 
way to match kind of the sacrifice, the people you're talking about that they have made. And the way we do yeah. it is simply by showing up and escorting those Reese down. So we would like and, to invite you, Dutch, yeah, to participate with us, Dutch. with us. Come on. We're, we're planning on having Sabina, Sabina. as a guest. Uh, mm-hmm. We met Sabina a year ago coming up pretty soon. And she actually uh, sobbed when she saw what was happening because oh, her parents were in the military. Mm-hmm. And she works at the Broken Egg in Lakewood Ranch. You would love it I've, if you haven't been there, Dutch. I think I've been there years ago. Oh, it's great. They have some great food yeah. there. So we connected last year after the wreaths. It's kind of our tradition yep. to go have breakfast after the wreaths ceremony. With And so we met Sabina. We talked. Actually, Chuck's dad and one of her parents were stationed at the same base in Germany, believe it or not, which was kind of phenomenal. Oh, and yeah. so a great Very connection. We're, we're children of service members, not service members of ourselves. But, you know, Chuck's dad is buried there. So we go there to lay the wreath Lays in honor of him oh, for him. So. so you're more than welcome to join, join us, us, Dutch. I would uh, be honored. Uh, we got, I didn't realize that. We just show up at the same place, and we all ride out together, and it's really a great event. Right. And really we'll definitely is. connect. So that way. Absolutely. Reason. I'd be yeah. honored to do that. That'd the other super cool event coming up that everyone has Start to put preparing. on their calendar is in February. It's Thunder by the Bay. It is our biggest local event happening February 14th through the 16th, unfortunately, at the Sarasota Fairgrounds. Oh, come on, Deb. Well, you got to change that. Well, when uh, it was Thunder by the Bay on the I Bay, know. it was a very Where's different the bay? feeling the so, <laughs> yeah, yeah they're a little ways away but you know we owe that to sarasota not to the uh that's true to the events oh but no Sar- not at all yeah. sarasota nope. doesn't know what they're missing out on nope. that's right they are cutting it off at the knees so again this year they will be honoring veterans activity uh, active duty mem- military members and first responders so just a couple of details again if you want a, a daily gate pass is five dollars and the full three-day event is fifteen dollars or twelve dollars i apologize and so you want to be sure and put that on your calendar plan for it because it's it right a great now. local event they have rv spots camping spots and all sorts of fun and stuff. we camped there last year and it was great you've got to check it out good time just show up there have a good time it's better if you camp or or get a hotel room nearby right because if like we did you just camp there you don't have to worry about it just the Party, tent, the air mattress, enjoy. have fun. I've walk done that once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And it wasn't too bad. No, it the was The only a, problem is actually... I needed help from other barkers there to help us with the awning yeah, and that it was kind pretty, of thing. It was pretty windy. And when we did have a tent and or um, other contraption outside that just wasn't quite sturdy. But we learned a lot on that trip about how to anchor the tent properly <laughs> and all sorts how of fun stuff. How to put the stakes in the ground. The stakes, yes. The, the stuff the city boy doesn't know. I know, but we have to go get the right kind of stakes before that event, too. So well, we uh, definitely, it's a great charity event for Suncoast Charity for Children's. So you want to make sure and come out and support. Sounds real good. So mark it down on your calendar. Now, before we go, Dutch Van Austin is going to sing a song for us. Woohoo! Is that actually what you just said? <laughs> Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Pour me another glass of Jack, or I will not make sure I come back. <laughs> so make oh. sure you come back so you don't miss Dutch Van Alsten or anything else that happens on this show. We appreciate you all. Thank you so much for listening. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, and our website is bikerliferadio.com. Be sure to click... 
like and share so that you do not and subscribe so that you do not miss an episode. We love to have you join and subscribe. And don't forget to go to Dutch's website, which is what? www, that's three W's, dot, that's a dot, Dutch Van Alston, that's my name, dot, that's another dot, com, C-O-M. Very good. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. We're truly grateful and thankful for each and every one of you, and we can't wait to be on here next week with you. Thank you. See you again soon. You've been listening to Biker Life Radio with Chuck and Deb, heard each Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. right here on 1490 a.m. WWPR. We thank you for listening and invite you to join us next week.